0: It. Go. Oh, Bowie. Brown says, get that India, big boy.
1: Hello and welcome back to our second Instant Reaction podcast of the 2024 season. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. Joining me to break down all of the action out of North Ipswich Reserve is my good mate, 60s. Big fella, Eels on show for the second time in two weeks in the preseason. And it's fair to say they got more right than they got wrong this week, as opposed to what we saw against the Raiders in week one.
0: Well, mate, it's only a trial, but I enjoy talking about a win far more than I do <laughs> That's talking about a loss. So oh, we're off to a positive start there.
1: Yes, sir. And it was. We'll, we'll get into the breakdown quickly, but uh, obviously, torrid conditions up there—twenty-nine pushing thirty with eighty percent humidity—not too dissimilar from what we saw at Cogra, actually. So it's been a, a real uh, challenging preseason uh, across those two trial matches for the eels. But as I alluded to before, we get into that. We have a quick shout out for the sponsors of the show, as we always do. Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellon, and Parramatta helping us get out each and every episode. All right, big fella. Eels 26, Titans 16, uh, up at North Ipswich Reserve. Uh, for the Titans, Philip Sami, AJ Brimson on that scoop and score, Alifiana Camperera, and Jojo Fafita scoring. They couldn't kick a goal to save themselves uh, for the blue and gold. Will Penasini opened the scoring after a lovely bit of work from Bryce Cartwright, Mike Ocevo, Reagan Campbell Gillard, Bryce Cartwright, and Jermaine Hopgood all scoring within 46 minutes. Moses, three from five off the tee. Uh, yeah, a, ni- a nice uh, score there for the Eels. Probably reflective of um, how well they played. Um, I know the Titans lodged two tries in the end when uh, both teams sort of run out their mixed lists and brought in some of the reserve grade troops. Uh, but for the Eels, they were slightly hit on possession 51 to 49%. Uh, Marjorie had on time of possession based on that as well. Uh, only completed at sixty-eight percent, thirty or forty-four, which obviously not what you want to see. But uh, I think those errors piled up in the second half, in particular. Titans were very efficient, uh, very efficient, sorry, eighty-eight uh, percent. But the Eels dominated most of the attacking stats, well ahead on runs and run meters, on post contact meters. Both teams at four line breaks apiece. The Titans actually broke more tackles, uh, which is interesting because I didn't think the Eels were that bad defensively in this game. Uh, Titans with a Way faster to play the ball. Two nine one to three seven three. Eels outloaded the pants off the Titans. Eighteen to four were pretty neat in the kick defusals. Eighty six percent, which is good to see. I think that must mean the uh, Sevo strip would just about be the only one that was uh, deemed a non catch then. And then yeah, looking at the defensive rates of both teams. Titans eighty eight point six six percent effective tackle rate. Eels eighty seven point two eight. So like I said, didn't feel like the Titans broke that many tackles, Uh, but they've uh, yeah apparently they did. Uh, Eels made 12 mistakes. They got Titan 6, which plays into those completion rates. And then, in terms of our uh, key performers, 60s on the stat sheet, good day for Guffo. Uh, Will Penniseni was outstanding, 162 metres from 13 carries, and he looked like an absolute load every time he was carrying the ball down that right edge. Uh, Sean Russell, Reagan Campbell Girl, Junior Barlaw, Sean Lane are all busy. Jermaine Hopgood, 226 metres from 21 carries, uh, plus a stack of tackles, too. So he had a huge game there. Then off the, uh, I say off the interchange, uh, Ogden started. He got over 100 metres, and Makatoa had 155 metres to his name. So plenty of offensive uh, workload there. If I quickly look at the people who made the tackles, uh, and then it was actually pretty even split. Uh, Joey Lasic looks like he, no, Jermaine Hobwood led the team, led the team with 31 tackles, but Ogden 29, uh, Regge 23, Lane 22, Cartwright 21, Hands 20, uh, Toulonny 21. So it's pretty even split across the forwards there, 60s. That's the tail of the tape. Uh, what do you want to talk about to the start of this game?
0: Well, look, I think, first of all, the uh, Eels seem to have the majority of the crowd there. I don't know if you caught the uh, any any of the time the camera was panning, uh, looking at the players on the bench, and you catch the crowd in the background, or or when it was uh, in the footage where you, you got to see some of the crowd. Gee, the, the blue and gold, I mean the real blue and gold, not the Titans blue and yellow, but the blue and gold, seem to well and truly outweigh the Titans supporters for a match-up in Queensland. It just goes to show we've known for a long time that the Eels have a massive supporter base up north of the border, and I think that showed today in the crowd that turned up to cheer on the Eels in this trial match. Uh, Secondly, the other thing that uh, caught my eye was just the strength of our team when we had our starters out there. Now, let's just mention straight off the bat that there were players that were missing from the list uh, to go up there. So, we had uh, uh, Joe Offengau, had Offengawi uh, was missing. It was, I think it was known before the game that there was a death in the family and he travelled back to New Zealand from that. Uh, it was announced during the game that Ryan Madison had a bit of a, a back problem. So, he sat out the game. I think Woody had a bit of a a late issue, so he was missing. I mean, you've got you've basically got three starters there who didn't participate in the game, um, and that also impacted the what would be uh, quite a a lot of rotations in a game like this, uh, in a trial like this. So the players probably had to play some extra minutes than what they would have planned. But I did like the fact that. BA got our halves off the field and, and Gutho off the field towards the end because you just don't you just don't want to risk having any of them missing for uh, round one. And as we said in the preview this week, what was the main thing that we were looking for was for the team to come through unscathed and have everyone available for round one. Yeah, the only
1: real concern coming into this game was Bowie Simonson who left the field. What I would have deemed to be a pretty fair juncture for Morgan Harper to be thrown into the fray anyway. But he he left the field under his own uh, power and seemed to walk into the stands to be assessed for a minor knock. So got to wait and see what happens there. And and the only other concern would be Mike Acevo for potential high contact on AJ Brimson. Although I struggle to see why he would have still been on the field if it was a high shot, because we've seen that be minimum sin bin and quite often a send-off if if it is a high contact in that situation. So I have to wait and see what the MRC has to say. Uh, but yeah, they're the only two real concerns that was coming out of this one. In terms of what we saw, 60s, I mean, I, I know that the completion rate crept down below where we wanted to see that. We established, I think, 75% as the sort of uh, break-even threshold for what we deem to be a good uh, efficiency. But you've got to say that the actual effort, the intent... Uh, the the contact, it was a night and day difference from what we saw last week against the Raiders.
0: Oh yes, look, it absolutely was. If I was to narrow down any criticisms that I had from today, and I'm and bear in mind it's a trial, it is first of all that completion rate, and secondly, some issues over there on Sivo's wing. I I didn't think Micah had the greatest trial today. No. Uh, defensively I, he didn't make some good decisions. I decision.
1: like the effort rucking the ball out. I think that was closer to where we wanted him to be at. Uh, for yeah, I Absolutely agree.
0: Yeah. But,
1: uh, there was some clear lack of polish in other areas and whether it was racing out for the first, tr- to create the first try for the Titans or, you know, just a couple of lapses under the high ball and, in defense, um, he's got some work to do in, you know, with the, what the two weeks we've got to round one now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, But again, this is me looking for something to take issue with in what was a trial. Now, I'm sure that there are people out there that are going to draw that into being uh, Eels continuing to have an issue out wide defensively. Uh, I would say in that uh, with Sevo, I mean, it looked to me like he fell out of the system in that first try, the way that he just charged uh, away from uh, Simonson, like where the team was looking to slide across. He, he went charging up and it just left a huge gaping hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other issue where Khan Pereira got past uh, Sean Russell, that was really a case where maybe Sean should have, committed a little bit earlier or, or looked to take him a little bit earlier and there Just, were two forward
1: passes in the movement so
0: oh don't even get me started on the forward passes because if i go back to the first half the pass from joey lusick that was called forward and and it was a line ball right but if you're, if you're going to call that exactly, forward you've got exactly. you've got 5000 more similar calls to make this season in all seriousness like that was you are going to see so many, so many passes from dummy half that are going to be far worse than that. So when the touchy called that as being forward, um, you know, it was, it was almost laughable, but uh, probably more laughable because of the fact that we know how many are going to be missed throughout the season proper. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to dwell too much on uh, a simple call like that, that, was pretty tough, but um, you know it's. Uh, I, I I just hope that we see uh, consistency this year, and I know we won't. So no, we,
1: we won't. Uh, but in terms of the rule 60s, we saw the eels making good adjustments to the downtown rule. Uh, they didn't give yep. away a penalty, uh, and given that Mitchell Moses likes to strike it from deeper inside, from deeper behind the ruck than most halves, I thought he also moved around a little bit to create different timings on the release point of his kicks, and the Eels did a great job accommodating that, which is good to see. Uh, I think the Eels end up winning the Ruck battle in terms of the calls, but I could be wrong about that. We were up in the six again calls at one point. Where are the errors? Uh, Ruck fringes. yeah, the Gold Coast gave away five, to Parramatta's two, and it was five apiece in terms of the penalties. So it was good to see the Eels being... It's nice to see the dominance in the Ruck reflected in the calls, which we don't always see for Parramatta. Uh, despite being a a superior ruck team to a lot of the squads going around in recent years. Didn't always get the call, so it was good to see that today. Um, Yeah, look, team-wide, 60s, I thought it was a a pretty good effort. I think we showed a a nice mix of structured and unstructured play. Uh, We got to see the genius of Bryce Cartwright very early on, uh, running like an absolute maniac and then offloading to Will Penasini, who scored a nice try. Uh, Then you got to see the genius of uh, Mitch Moses down the right edge short side of that kickback to Bryce Cartwright, so... Got to see the team playing in and out of structure really nicely. I thought the Jermaine Hopkins trial was a fantastic team effort. Um, I I was actually talking to my brother, and it wasn't just on that particular play, but a couple other times it looked like Quentin Gufferson's done a bit of studying on Nathan Cleary. Um, If you the way he structured that build-up with the uh, sort of inside show or inside shape to the outside inside pass back to the outside to the open side, it's really uh, similar to what Cleary does at Penrith. And it, it led to some nice plays there, so it was good to see. Um, and, yeah, Beals looked like... A, it, they didn't look like... I, I know it was a, a vastly different team, which needs to be said, but they looked nothing like what we saw last week. This this really was the trial they obviously had circled and were willing to put their proper efforts into, which is fair enough, the way the preseason works. And, yeah, from a, from a team perspective, I was quite happy.
0: Yeah, look, I was happy too because... We didn't see much more than basic attacking shapes mixed in with uh, the unstructured footy.
1: No, but we got to see good so, kicks from Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. Got to see the dummy halves getting involved in that regard too. So it was just like a, enough of a mix up there to show that this team can attack from different points uh, pretty freely. Yeah, and there
0: was no, there was no special plays that no. they. Uh, it would have worked on during the preseason it was as has been predicted it was just you know not too many not too many shots that were fired but the team does like to as you spoke about before get into the unstructured football the the number of offloads were right up there with what we'd expect from the eels in each and every round of football that they play in and to a I guess to the large extent, the offloads found their mark, uh, especially uh, Bryce Cartwright. Uh, yeah, he, Bri- he Bryce looked, looked
1: fantastic out there, and he was very aggressive in defense as well. Um, and it looks like, I mean, he had a good game last week, but it, it seems like Kelma Tuolungi has really embraced the ability to offload and create some of that ad-lib football. So that's good to see um and he was very unlucky not to score a great individual try late in the game <laughs> he just couldn't get the ball down off that leg uh, did everything he could but get it down by about half a centimeter i reckon uh, yeah so, uh, didn't didn't mind seeing what we saw from kelma there uh, yeah like you go, go for that team West and there was a lot of guys that had very good games guffo uh, will Pennacini was a bull in a China shop down the right edge he looks phenomenal uh, so yeah really,
0: he, he I, I was so impressed with him during the preseason that he's obviously really um, added some muscle to his frame. He was, he was always a handful for defenders before, but he seems to have extra power in his game this season. Maybe even looks a little bit faster. Yes. As well.
1: Yeah. He just, every time he looked like he not just a better tackle, but bust the line open every time I got the ball and, uh, we know that he and Sean Russell have a good connection, so we'll see more of that throughout the season. But that whole right edge looked dynamic from Moses to Cartwright then to the two outside backs. So very, very good signs there. Um, what I, I'm,
0: about the workhorse uh, that was Jermaine? Holford. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, 226 he, run metres, 31 tackles. Just um, the one missed. and Just then, the one missed, yeah. yeah.
1: And there's a stack of periphery stats, including some offloads, of which he had, I think, three. Uh, including uh, a number of line engagements too. He had seven dummy passes going into the line. So he was mixing up his looks offensively. He wasn't just being a one-trick pony and and being a pivot or just carrying the ball. So, you know, he's a very important fulcrum for this team. And he was also doing that role with no Ryan Madison to work in relief, who is really, you know, the two I see in that regard to playing as the middle ball-playing half. So very good stuff from Jermaine Hopgood. He scored that really nice try where I think he, I saw one of his teammates uh, gassing him up about the, the, the run. But uh, he was sucking in the big ones uh, throughout that game. And it was no surprise because the conditions were brutal. And yet he still didn't you know, make any bad mistakes. Great to see. Uh, I, I said in the preview podcast, 60s, I wanted to see the forwards working in pods, hunting as a pack, and we definitely saw that today. We saw the big men sort of interchanging the ball, linking up around the middle, especially in the red zone. It's what led to Junior and, and uh, Reagan campbell Gillard combining for that great try under the posts. Um, there were a couple of opportunities too where Junior might have just overplayed his hand, but I don't mind that in a trial. You want to see that and get those timings right. And when, that, when they're sort of working together like that, they are so hard to stop.
0: Yeah, the Eels must. They must take advantage of the forwards that they have. Now, there will be people out there who wrongly criticise the uh, mantra that uh, BA has with his team, which is chase the collision. I don't know why people would criticise that mantra because if you've got a pack like the Eels have got, you're going to take advantage of it. But not only that, the whole essence of rugby league is to win the middle. If you don't have forwards who are going to chase the collision, you're not going to win games of Rugby League. So anyone that wants to tell you or wants to laugh at phrases like chase the collision, laugh laugh at them because I don't think they've got any idea about Rugby League. Uh, The forwards that the Eels have are basically a Premiership winning pack. Now, whether they can play off them, whether we've got the outside backs that can do the job on top of that, remains to be seen mm-hmm. and obviously there's a lot that goes into a season and I am in no way declaring that the eels are going to win the title because just as anyone can have hopes you can you can find those hopes shattered with um, you know loss of form injury suspension a whole you know bad calls a whole lot of things can go into a season we saw how bad a season can get last year for example but as far as the Eels are concerned, the real strength lies there. Plus, we've probably got the fastest Harbs combination in the NRL in uh, Moses and Brown and Mr. Consistency at fullback. So it's a matter now of if we, if the outside backs can stay healthy and get the job done then you'd like to think that the Eels will be heading back to uh, a finals campaign Mm -hmm. this year. I'm not getting carried away from a trial. This is what I've said all along about who the Eels have in their roster. Now, have they got an X factor that some teams have? Um, Possibly not. I mean, Dylan Brown could be that X factor. Mm -hmm. He could always be that X factor, but the the biggest criticism of the eels and I've been one of them has been that we haven't recruited depth into the for the outside backs or we haven't spent money on an x factor it's not going to happen this year whether that means that the eels can't match it with the teams that will feature in at the top of the table throughout the season remains to be seen but I like, the, I like the top 17, and um, and, and even a bit below oh, the top there, 17.
1: There's clearly some riches and depth in the forwards. Uh, yeah. we, you mentioned in the, the preamble about who wasn't available in this game no Joey Fengahi, no William McGregor, no Ryan Madison. Uh, on top of the likes of Luca Murti, who we saw have a really strong start to their NRL uh, career last year, uh, there's some legitimate you know, quality of depth for the Eels in that regard. I mean, Matt Dury, uh we saw Ogden have a pretty good game today. Makatoa was pretty solid as well. So they've got a good amount of depth there. It's like you said, in the back line where we really need that top, that top back line to stay healthy because Morgan Harper, he looked fine. Uh, I thought he was, again, solid in, in the time he got today. So, uh, yeah, no,
0: he not too many opportunities. No, no. But in his way, I, but he did what he needed to it, do. It, exactly, the
1: game exactly. So I, I'm... Fairly confident that Harper would come in and do a pretty solid job in the regular season. But after Morgan and then what? you got Hayes as the backup winger. Uh, it gets very skinny very fast. Um, you know, we saw Blaze Talangi get a few minutes in this game and I thought he, he... It was only one moment, but it was a nice little bit of redemption from last week where the, the footsteps were coming again with the high ball, but this time he left the ground and took a great ta- uh, great catch that... Uh, segwayed into a penalty for being taken in the air, so that was nice to see. But yeah, we, we are fitting the outside backs, so there's no doubting that. And that's yeah. that's where you need the you always need luck to win a premiership. And for the E also definitely gonna need a, a healthy back line. And in that back line they're gonna need Mike Acevo and Sean Russell uh, and and Bowie Simonson, I think to all find, you know, one, two, three, four, five percent more if or even more if they can, from what we saw last year. Because the two players that I'm confident from in the back line to be really productive pieces in a push for the premiership are both Gufferson and Pennissini. I think that they yeah. they're both shown their class year in and year out now.
0: So what was the word on Simonson's injury? we had the um there was the HIA that he was he was looked at, but there was also what a hamstring bit of a twinge with the hamstring. I think that's
1: what uh, what they said is the the update came through. But he was walking with a pretty free motion and when you've got a dodgy hammy you usually see him immediately grab for it and then leave that leg as straight as possible uh, when walking. So, have to wait and see if there's anything to it. He does have the benefit of it being two weeks to the Saturday game against the Bulldogs. or well, a tick under two weeks, because obviously today is a Sunday. Uh, so, if it is a minor hamstring injury, then he, he can race the clock in that regard. But if he's touch and go, then I think you just put Morgan Harper in and let Simonson recuperate without risk of uh, exacerbating an injury if it is there.
0: So, uh, as far as the round one selections, uh, I guess taking into account the players that weren't able to play, uh, do you put all three of those into the 17?
1: Mm. That bench, it's going to cause some issues in in a good way. Uh, I don't know. I I, I don't know how you you pick that bench. Uh, I think... I think Brendan Hands probably wins that 14 spot. And from today, the fact that we didn't see Ophengahi, Woody or Maddo just complicates things that much more, doesn't it? No one got a chance to press a claim or, or shoo away the contenders. Um, like I said, well, I, we, I, th- Sorry, I was you.
0: just going to say, we, we did see Brendan Hands being used in the half. That's
1: right, which again points towards the fact that Brad Arthur doesn't want him there as a pure dummy half interchange piece. Uh, and his ability to cover the halves or even a a small ball lock forward and then facilitate changes elsewhere, a big feather in his cap. Um, So I I think he'll be there round one. I I think Lusick is a good dummy half, but there'll be games where the defensive workload gets to him and you want that rotational dummy half to come in and go a bit up-tempo or share the load, and there'll be games where, you know, there's a HIA against Dylan or Moses or, you know, something goes wrong for one of them, and you need the ability to facilitate a reshuffle in the halves, Hands obviously fantastic there, so yeah, I think Hands is a, a shoe in for round one. After that, we we just didn't get to see the contenders today, which makes it that much more difficult. Uh, what did you? F- I do have a question for you that sort of goes towards team construction, not necessarily uh, those three players in, like directly, but two game two games in a row now. Uh, given that it, won- it was last year against Panthers and now the proper NRL preseason trial seeing Junior Barlow coming off the interchange to start a game. Uh, Do you think that's a a trend towards a new role for Junior where he can absolutely be a weapon coming in against the more fatigued pack? Or is that just a case of uh, we didn't have those players today, so let's uh, make that reshuffle happen and sort of it's the best hand from the deck of cards we got
0: dealt? I don't think you could ignore the fact that this move must be at the forefront of Brad Arthur's thinking.
1: I don't mind it. Uh, I feel like, obviously, Junior and Reg at the peak of their powers were a formidable duo. Uh, but you know, they—they're not. It's not the twilight years of their careers, right? But they're not—they're not at their physical prime anymore. So moving them towards roles where they can be more effective isn't the worst idea.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, it's and look, it and it could be something where we've talked about this before. But it becomes a horses for courses. Like there might mm-hmm. be certain opponents where BA decides that he wants to bring Junior off the bench. Who knows? There might be certain opponents where he decides he wants to bring Reg off the bench. It's and I don't think there's anything wrong with mixing up having one of those players. So that, like there's starting times, so that there's one of those no. players out on the field for most of the game. Like but for For most of the game, we've got one of them.
1: One of the core middles on the field, exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that you don't want to have both of them out there together because we saw what happened today when Junior was able to link with Reg Mm -hmm. for that try under the post. And the way they linked, it almost looked like it was unstoppable. Like From the the moment that Junior received and started running at the line. And let's face it, the Gold Coast Titans defense was extremely passive there, so... made it look even more unstoppable for, for the eels there. but um, yeah, look, I think' it's, I think it is possible that BA might go that way, but also think it's possible that it's something that might change from week to week. Mm-hmm. So it it is, it is an, a nice little teaser about his team selections or, or his uh, decision making about the starting lineup. Going into round one, but like you, I think it does make things really interesting. The fact that those three players didn't participate in this game. And then you have to think, well, will any of them be really underdone by not participating in this game? Woody got a bit of a run last week. Woody and
1: Madison had the benefit of playing last week. Exactly. So that'll serve them well. But we also know that uh, Joe had a phenomenal preseason in terms of his conditioning, so it's not like he's going to be... I know that game fitness is also its own thing, but given the other forwards we have, you could ease him into a contest uh, on a minutes restriction if that is required based on a lack of match fitness. So, yeah, interesting to see where BA goes Tuesday week when TLT gets dropped for the Parramatta Eels in round one. Um, Lots of questions still to be answered by the virtue of the fact we didn't see those three forwards this week. But I find myself feeling, you know, not you never come out of a trial or you should never come out of a trial feeling, you know, unreasonably confident about how your team's going to perform because they dominated or the opposition looked terrible. But I I do feel like the Eels addressed a lot of our key concerns, 60s. Outside of the completion rate, that's probably the big one there. Uh, But I think that the physicality we saw in defence was very encouraging.
0: Um, I know a bit better
1: line speed. The, the line speed was was definitely up from last week. Uh, I know the Titans scored a few tries, obviously the last two against the the mixed-up teams there, but I, I, they only made, it felt like they only had control of the ruck at one period, and that was late in the first half where there was a couple of dummy half scoots that uh, had a, a bit of impetus there. But in general, we dominated in the middle, which is what you want to see from a team like the Eels, where we're built to do that. Um, and yeah, we, we saw Mitchell Moses look really sharp, Dylan probably could have used a little bit more ball, uh, but I thought that he kicked well in the responsibilities he had there. Um, and yeah, just across the park, it was a nice showing. Yes, there were some errors. Yes, you know a couple of players like Mike Sivo had mixed outings, and they're going to need to address that in the run to round one. But on the balance of things, I thought that was a good trial. We got out relatively unscathed, pending what the MRC says about the Sevo hit on uh, Brimson and what we uh, get with uh, Bowie Simonson and a potential hamstring tweak. So that's uh, pretty much as nice a trial as you can get, honestly speaking.
0: Yeah, and really the tries that the eels scored, they were good. They were good quality. Yes, efforts. and Re- really were. Yeah, so they, they,
1: weren't, they weren't cheapies. They had some really fluent ball movement there, whether it was the cut right offload, the the Mitchell Moses grubber kick, the whole, you know, right edge and, and ruck combining for Jermaine Hopgood, or the the two forwards combining for Regan Campbell-Gillard. So really good stuff. Um, and then you look at the tries that we conceded. The Phillips Army try well. Obviously, we talked about Micah shooting out and the Titans playing that well, but the Brimson try was just a you know a scoop and score. Uh, he went ninety five or ninety meters because he was committed to attacking, and that sometimes happens. Cam Pereira with well, were two two forward passes, including the touchy standing right in front of the first one, um, and then the Jojo Fafita try uh, was that was off the kick, wasn't it? At the end. So that was that was actually a well worked try from the Titans. So I'm, I come out of that thinking that the defense was on the whole pretty solid. It wasn't, you know, perfect or dominant, but there were some really good hits. You know, guys like Bryce Cartwright, who we saw last year, take a big step forwards defensively. He was leading the way again today. So that's what you want to see. And, yeah, I, I sort of moved towards round one now, feeling like we're in a good position to build against the Bulldogs. Um, and, yeah, and make a, a nice start to the 2024 campaign, knock on wood.
0: Let's go to the 3-2-1 for this trial, Ooh. seeing as though we had just about the uh, starting uh, starting 13, or very close to the starting 13 there, and also because it was a victory as well, so that makes it even sweeter to <laughs> uh, to do so. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll go with a three, two, one. Uh one Mate, I, look, I don't think... Well, look, it's a, for me, it's a bit of a toss-up between... Uh, Mitch Moses and Jermaine Hopgood for the three. Um, look, given the workload that he did...
1: In the I'll, conditions,
0: yeah. In the conditions, I'll, I'll give the three points to Hopgood, just edging out Moses for two. And uh, I'll give one point to Bryce Cartwright as well for um, you know a really solid performance. And I think he's probably moved to the point of being the uh, number one back rower at this point. What, a, what a, in the
1: what a narrative arc for Bryce Cartwright, hey? From on the trash heap in the NRL to going down as a as a very, very good EO in his career. So well done to Bryce for putting in the hard yards under Brad Arthur. Um yeah, and,
0: and and let me let me stipulate there, he's he's got that my nod as the as the number one back rower at the club. Um not because of uh, the any lack of form of uh of sean lane but really sean just had uh 12 months where we didn't get him on the paddock last year Miserable and I, and, yeah. and and bryce had a really good year and he's continuing that really good year into uh this preseason and we're just seeing flashes of uh sean lane in the preseason and uh it may well be that i I changed my ratings there, but <laughs> I, I can't go past what Bryce Cartwright is doing. And oh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a, a ticket here because when the Eels signed him, I said that he would be a difference maker for the club. Mm-hmm. That he'd be a very good signing and be a difference maker for the club. And I think he justified the signing last year. Yeah, Look, I thought he was a decent well, signing for, I'd for argue, 22.
1: Yeah. But, I was going to say he arguably justified it in 22, even though he was a bit streaky. Yeah. But 2023 was really the, the full realization of what he could be as a footballer on both sides of the ball, and he looks set to build on that again in 24. So that that is a, a you know a very fair reflection on the effort individually as a footballer and the the foundational trust and belief put in by the coaching staff. So, yeah, so uh,
0: you're 3-2-1 now, mate. Yeah, well,
1: I'm, I'm going to be a, a, a cruel miser and Doc Moses very harshly for the missed goals because otherwise it'd be a similar 3-2-1. So I'm going to you know, put him in the HMs because of that. Uh, hopefully he doesn't listen and take it too seriously. Uh, he, have a, he had a very good game, so he could have easily been in the points. Uh, I don't think you can go past Hopgood for the three. Uh, we spoke at length about the conditions this week and they were very challenging and he just rolled his sleeves up and had a fantastic game. Two points. Two points, two points. I will go Bryce Cartwright. I think he scored a try, set up a try, set the tone on defense and had a number of great charges. My one point, though, goes to his compatriot on the right edge and Will Panassini. So it could have been another man in in Mitchell Moses, obviously, but uh, I really liked what I saw from Will. And there's also HM to Quentin Gufferson, too, who was very good. Um, So don't want to miss out on the King there, but I thought that Penasini, uh, I feel like he is slept on in the wider NRL community community 60s. I know we talked about it, but all these other centres get a, a run for state of origin and get their name put out there, and Will just goes out there and dominates every week on both sides of the ball. He's an outstanding defensive centre that is a wrecking ball for the ball in hand, and we see guys like Talakai get absolutely creamed over in the media because they can break a tackle, and yet Will sort of doesn't get his dues, so he looks primed for a huge year, and I, I really like the fact that we we're looking to feed him the early ball down the right edge, because the Titans did not have an answer for him.
0: I'm sure, like many other Eels supporters, I'm, well, I'm sure many other Eels supporters will agree with me. I'm happy for Will to fly under the radar. I mean, selfishly, <laughs> yes. Obviously, it means
1: no state of origin jerseys means more Eels jerseys, but, you know, you, you do want to see a Parramatta Eel get their dues. Of course. But, of course. Yeah. but Will looked phenomenal, and yeah, there was a whole whole chunk of the team that had very good games today, and like I said, it's a really nice position to now springboard into round one. Um, and yeah, uh, I think it definitely as it washes away a lot of the uh, issues that we had last week, where we looked very shaky against the Canberra Raiders. And I know it was a, a more of a, a much more of a reserve grade team, but just a reminder that the Eels are a pretty good team this week, which is nice.
0: Yeah. Now, just quickly, there were trial games up at Maury Breen Reserve at canwell up on the Central Coast today the eels Jersey flag team defeated the Knights 18 to 14 I'm still waiting on a result from the New South Wales Cup trial between the eels and the Knights um, no real feedback in terms of score or, or who won uh, so uh, as soon as we know that we'll We'll let it be known through uh, socials. But uh, yesterday, the Eels continued their undefeated run in the Harold Matthews competition, defeating the Illawarra Steelers. The SG Ball suffered their first loss of the season against the undefeated Steelers team. The Lisa Ola Cup team uh, won, uh, made it back-to-back when they defeated the Steelers and the Steelers were undefeated in the Lisa Fia Ola Cup and unfortunately things just aren't working out for the Tasha Gale girls again too many errors this week and uh, they were really shut out badly uh, 38 to nil against the Steelers in uh, their match this weekend so um, look, the girls have done it tough because they've been on the road for every match so they're yet to have a home game they do get a home game this week, um, the and the boys are. The the, the 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 mats are sitting now up up near the very top of the table, and uh, the SG ball. Well, that was just their first loss of the season, as I said, against the previously undefeated Steelers. And uh, we'll talk more about the junior reps during the week, but uh, it is a home game this week. Uh, different opponents for the boys and the girls. I think the, the boys are playing the Bulldogs. The girls are playing the Dragons, I think, in both of their games. So um, if you want to get out to uh, Eric Tweedale Stadium at Granville next Saturday, you'll be able to catch some junior reps. And what what better weekend to do that than uh, a weekend that is, um, only has the round zero matches over in Las Vegas, so you can actually get out locally to watch Eels Teams in action next Saturday afternoon yes. or morning and afternoon.
1: Yes, indeed.
0: So, mate, that just about uh, wraps things up for our Instant Reaction podcast. As you said at the start of the pod, our thanks to our sponsors, Big Swing Golf, North Mead, and Star Partners, Real Estate, Auburn, Norellin, and Parramatta. Uh, thank you for tuning in and having a bit of a listen. We hope you enjoyed the eels victory today it's always good to have a win you you can't help but enjoy that john thank you for a fine podcast thank you to all of our listeners and as i always say go you mighty eels